All right. How are we going, team? We got a mic for them, folks. Can we get a mic for them, Paul? Sensational. Hello. Hello. He's still dead seat. Good plan. It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Gracie was born in December. You went from one kid to two. Yes. Um, what has that adjustment been like? It was um, <laughs> definitely a bit of a shock. <laughs> We've gotten out of that really dependent on us stage. And then we were thrust back into it <laughs> and just trying to meet both of their needs. It was, it was challenging and we had to readjust. I guess you have to readjust your expectations. You can't do everything for everyone at the same time. So, but it's been really cool. Really cool, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of the other way. I found it interesting that it was, in some ways, easier. You felt less likely to kill them than the first one. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, you're you more experienced. They, they can roll off the bed, and it's like, you know what? It happens. <laughs> yeah, and how has Mr. Noah adjusted? Um, I think quite well. He loves yeah. his sister. You can see some cute photos where he's kissing her and licking her and showing affection, so he loves her. So all signs point to love. <laughs> Although he does sometimes crave attention when it's not been given to him. Yeah. Um, and tell us about Miss Gracie. What kind of personality does she have? Um, who is she? <laughs> I'd say she's strong. <laughs> she's strong in strength. Aren't you? She has the nickname in our family, Grabby Gracie. And she will grab everything that's even remotely in reach. But she's also got a very strong will. I sort of think I went into second time around thinking that I knew what was coming. You know, I thought I, I can do this better this time. <laughs> or like, you know, tackle some things differently. And Gracie was just like, no, nah, I'll do it when I want to. I'll do it in my own time. So I've had to reassess my <laughs> expectations and... But yeah, she's great. She's on the move and she just does her thing. She's just off around the house, just like getting into mischief, getting into toys and going to Noah's room. And yeah, that's cool. I think to correct that, her nickname is Stabby Stacy. If someone struggles with the G's of it, no, he doesn't. He just calls her Stacy, so that'd be her name soon. Uh, I think she definitely takes after her mother. You can, you can take that whichever way you want, but. Um, <laughs> She has a strong will and she likes to impose it. <laughs> um, and what do you desire for her future? Other than the fact that she gradu graduates from the whole grabbing season that she's in and... Oh, stop sleeping off the floor. Yeah. I mean, apart from obviously sleeping through, which would be... The, the immediate goal. <laughs> no, I just think to be happy be healthy and to just to live a life that she's happy with, you know, that's kind of every parent's dream to, that she can look back and be proud of what she does and who she is, I think for me is the big thing. 
I really hope that she can be, um, I don't know, just something, the, a person that this world needs, someone who can stand up for what she believes in and go against the grain and, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, and is there any particular reason for her name? Just liked it? No, just liked it. We had one boy name and one girl name and it's worked out well. <laughs> Dream team. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well, I'd like to invite um, Matt and Nikki's wider family to come up um, and we're just going to pray around her. But as they, as they come up, um, I just thought I would share, uh, for those of you who perhaps don't know, uh, the, biblical ten- the biblical context around the meaning and significance of, of dedication and why it is that we do it. And in the book of Deuteronomy, um, a book whose context is Moses sharing with the Israelites his final earnest pleas for how they're to live in their relationship with God um, as, before he dies, um, he says in chapter 6, verse 5 to 7, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command to you today shall be in your, in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And then in Luke 2, uh, we also read about Joseph and Mary bringing Jesus into the temple, as was the custom at the time, uh, to present him to God and offer a sacrifice. And there was a man named Simeon who came into the temple and having had it revealed to him, um, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see, he would not die before seeing the Christ. Simeon takes Jesus into his arms and blesses God. And so these two passages inspire what Nikki and Matt are doing today. Uh, they are coming before God in our church uh, to have Gracie presented and prayed over, but also to publicly promise in front of all of us uh, their intention to diligently teach Gracie who God is, his ways and his ways as they raise her. Uh, Their promise is that not only will they personally continue to love God with all their heart, soul, and strength, but that they will walk and talk with their children and build a home where God is the center and glorified. So, you too, surrounded by your family. Um, Psalm 127 says that children are a gift from God. Do you thank God publicly today for the gift that Gracie is? and dedicate her back to God this morning. We do. And do you commit publicly and before God today to teach Gracie diligently about God, raising her with Christian values and demonstrating God's unconditional love to her? We do. Now, question for you, church fam. Uh, If you commit to both loving Gracie as we all get to watch her grow, and also play whatever part you can in creating an environment where she grows and thrives, uh, then will you please stand as we pray? All right. What kind of mood are we in, darling? Are you going to let me hold you? Hello. Hello. Yo. Here's all your fam bam. Oh, dear Lord, we just thank you. We thank you so very much for children and the perfect, well, not perfect, but the gift that they are from you. And we thank you for this gift that you've brought into Matt and Nikki's lives, but also into our wider church family as well. And we just thank you that she's made in your image and we know that, and that she's also filled with spiritual blessings that you've given her and that you have 
called her out from the earth's history for, for this time um, to build your kingdom. And so we just ask for her. We ask that you bless her, that you keep her, but that you will also use her powerfully for your kingdom-building purpose in the future, Father. We thank you for the wonderful legacy that she comes from, and we just pray as she grows that she will thrive, but that she will also encounter you in a powerful way and grow up to be a mighty warrior and kingdom builder. In your precious and victorious name, we thank you for her. And the church said... Um, now, she's the first baby dedicated in 2022. Um, and we are starting a new tradition um, at SABC this year. And so we also have prepared a dedication certificate for her and present her today with her first ever Bible. Um, and all future babies will get it. Um, but you are the first, darling. You are the first. Yeah. Um, and now I think your granddad wants to sing a song over you. Yeah? Is granddad going to sing a song over you? Right, Mike, where are you? Hello. Ah, we are on. Wasn't that awesome? 
Fantastic. Thank you, Anna and the family. Very, very precious. Now, it's my great privilege to invite uh, Christine Harding, who's our speaker this morning. Give her a hand, folks. She comes up on the stage. <laughs> and a very warm welcome to you, Christine. Thank you. We met for the first time on uh, Thursday morning, wasn't it? When I banged on your window. When you banged early. on, that's right. Yeah. When you banged on yeah. the window and it was raining, and I felt for you because the door was still <laughs> locked. I'd forgotten to push the button where the door stays <laughs> open, so there you go. Um, but it was so lovely to meet you face to face. We talked, of course, by email and had chatted about your coming down here for this course. And I just realised that the course that you were, you were running, which you'll talk to, I'm sure, in, in, in a wee while, I did it six years ago in Auckland. Awesome. I did. I came up to Auckland for that course, and it was just absolutely wow. fabulous. And this course Fantastic. is all about engaging through questions, which That's interestingly right. enough, yeah. as you said in your, in your seminar, that was Jesus' style, yeah. even though he knew the answers. Absolutely. Even yeah. though he knew the answers. So, Christine, we're so privileged to have you here this morning. Welcome, <laughs> and we look forward to the word. Thank you very, very much for your warm welcome. Morena. May the peace of Christ be with us all. It really is a great pleasure. Um, I remember it must have been 10 years ago I spoke out there in that back room. It was the day after the tsunami had happened in um, Japan. I remember it clearly. Um, gosh, is it, it must be 10 years, so it's been a while. But it's lovely to be back with you. And I have had a, an absolute blast for the past three days spending time with some amazing people. Many of them are part of this family. So what great people. So I don't know about you, but I ask questions because I don't know the answers. And as Paul just said, that wasn't true of Jesus. He knew the answers, and yet he focused so much of his interaction with people on asking them questions. The four Gospels include 339 questions that Jesus asked. Why do you think he asked so many questions? Share your wisdom with the person next to you. Why ask them? Why did Jesus ask so many questions? always need to be flexible, eh? That's great. No worries. Right. So I'm curious. Let's see what you think as we go on. I'm not going to ask you to throw out. In fact, actually, yeah. Why not? Some answers. Why do you think Jesus asked so many questions? Have we got an answer? Something from this side of the auditorium? Yeah, to see what people were thinking. Brilliant. Something from the middle here. Oh, wow. You're not speaking from experience, are you, Paul? And there was something else over here? Starting conversation. Brilliant. And then something from this side, right from the back there. <laughs> Wonderful answers. Absolutely. To try and motivate people, get them to think. Isn't it interesting, when, when people ask Jesus a question, he often gave them a question back. 
In fact, he hardly ever gave them a direct answer to anything. Jesus liked to share his thoughts through parables that required his audience to go away and figure out the answer for themselves. And that's exactly what you were saying there, wasn't it? I think that is a really significant thing to understand regarding how we learn from God. It's not about downloading answers so much. There's a time and place for that. But rather, we learn by daring to follow the questions that God stirs in our hearts. So what kinds of questions did Jesus ask? Now, if there are 139, oh, 339 listed in the Gospels, there must be some coming to mind. Share one with the person next to you. A question Jesus asked. Just share it with the person next to you. It'll make you think. Great. There's a lovely hum going on. So some of you have read the Gospels. Fantastic. Right. So in the Gospels, we see Jesus as the master of questions. He expertly digs down into reality to produce both God awareness and self-awareness. And that's what came through just before in your, in your answers. You know, there's a deep tradition in Christianity, in fact, I think it comes from St. Augustine, that knowledge of God is connected to self-knowledge, and knowing self is connected to knowing God. Self-awareness and God-awareness go hand in hand, because if we're going to meet God, we need to become more acquainted with the depths of who we are. And Jesus was intent on getting to the heart of people. We see Jesus do this when he engaged with others. He not only revealed the Father to them, but he revealed who they were through questions. And I've got a few examples for you. I wonder if you came up with them. A common one, what do you want me to do for you? This one out of Mark 10, replying to a request from James and John. Can you drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And Glenn, so what do you want me to do for you? Luke 18, he asks Bartimaeus, who is blind. He didn't presume. He said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? John 1, when John's disciples started following him. Will you give me a drink? John 4. Do you want to get well? John 5. Speaking to the disabled man by the pool. So if we're going to become, if we want to become more like Jesus and do what he did, we must be careful and wise in asking good questions as well. But Jesus uses questions differently than we commonly do. We ask questions for information. And there's nothing wrong with that. But consider that Jesus asks questions to provoke transformation. We ask questions for answers. Jesus asks questions for awareness. Jesus asks questions to confront the listener with their own thoughts, their own preconceptions, their own assumptions, their beliefs, their blind spots. And this makes sense, doesn't it? After all, Jesus is about repentance. Remember Mark 1. He, Jesus came announcing the kingdom of God and he challenges people to repent and believe. 
But he also challenges us. He also invites us to grapple with our own conception of reality and examine it in the light of what God has to say. And for, in order for us to do this, we have to be aware of what we actually think and believe. And you know, as his disciples, Jesus invites us. He invites us to join with him in his mission. It's not an optional extra. His mission is focused on redeeming, transforming of broken, um, broken humanity and broken creation. And one way, and it was lovely to hear about Thailand there, another way of being involved in this mission of journeying with people towards transformation is by learning to ask good questions, just like Jesus did. So if we want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, if we want to join him in his mission of seeing transformation, is learn to ask questions which reveal hearts, open up blind spots in others and in ourselves. And so if we look at the questions that Jesus asked, there are five qualities now, someone, someone else has done this. I can't take credit for the five Cs. But there are five qualities of Jesus' questions. They were concrete. He used them for connection, and I heard that said down here. Through questions, he, he showed compassion, curiosity, and courage. So five questions that Jesus, five types of questions Jesus used to enable him to reckon with reality in a transformational way. So the first one, they were concrete. Jesus asked a lot of what questions. And for those of you who are in the three-day workshop, I said, turn, you can virtually turn any question into what, and it makes it easier to draw people out using what. They asked why questions as well. He really wasn't into abstract theological conversations. No, we, we read of the Pharisees trying to trick him with abstract questions around paying taxes. And, and in Matthew 22, they wanted to um, trick him or make him fall over his own wisdom by asking about um, whose wife would a woman be after the resurrection. Jesus wants to deal with the realities of actual life. And... Um, we see some great examples of, of these kinds of questions. John 20, the morning of his resurrection, Mary is there crying because Jesus' body wasn't there. And he comes close and he says, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And these simple questions led to Mary's understanding being considerably broadened and resulting in being the first evangelist, the first person to carry the news of the resurrection. And so if we apply this general, um, these general ideas to us, we can use these kinds of questions too. These kinds of simple questions, what and why questions, bring insight into reality and clarify expectations. What is it you're hoping for? Just a simple question. Many people get discouraged and upset because of unrealized expectations. And half the time, well, actually more than half the time, we're not aware we have them, but we do. We all have expectations. And when these unrealized expectations, well, when they're unrealized, we get upset. 
and we wonder why. So, what, are you, what, is it, what is it you're hoping for? Brings awareness and a way forward. Another one, what? What makes that important to you now? Just a simple one. So what makes that important to you now? Brings awareness around values. So let's try it. Think of a challenge you've got in your life, and you don't have to talk to your neighbours anymore. This is just for you. Just reflect for a moment. Think of a challenge or a situation you're facing. What is it you're hoping for? Just reflect. What is it you're hoping for? And what makes that important for you now? What makes that important for you now? And notice what values are showing up. It brings clarity. Just notice what values are bubbling up for you as you reflect on those questions. Bring self-awareness. Okay. So the first characteristic of Jesus' questions, they were concrete. They were concrete. Second one, he connected. Through questions, he aimed for connection. Thank you. So the religious leaders interrogated Jesus with questions. Their questions were not sincere. They were traps to try and win power and approval from others. But Jesus posed questions in order to connect. To the woman at the well in John 4, will you give me a drink? Questions are a personal, account, personal encounter for Jesus. His questions communicated through body, language, speech, eye contact, and touch that he was present with and for the one who was sharing. And Jesus did this quite often. Eye contact. Martha. Martha. The young ruler, Mark 10, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Peter, after he denied Jesus three times, Luke 22, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. As I said before, he used first names. Martha, he spoke to woman in public. It was outside the bounds of Jewish culture. He spoke to the woman at the well. So we can learn from Jesus how better to connect with people using sincere listening. Questions that connect rather than intimidate. Of course, in culturally appropriate ways. Okay, so we've got concrete, we've got connection. The third one, compassion. There was a depth of compassion to the, uh, the questions that Jesus asked. He had incredible presence. As we read through the Gospels, we see that Jesus was able to bear with another in whatever they were dealing with so they could experience the grace of the Father. In John 21, I've just mentioned before, where Jesus asks Peter three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You can hear his compassion, his kindness coming through. He was inviting Peter back into relationship, inviting Peter to forgive himself. 
John 8, he gently questions the woman caught in adultery. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. And he said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. There was this compassion that oozed out of him through his questions. For many of us, asking and listening in compassion is difficult because we can't bear. Often we can't bear other people's suffering. We can't bear sometimes their badness. We can't bear their pain without wanting to solve it or fix it. And when we can't, we, we stay away from that situation. Often we're a better judge and accuser than advocate and friend. So let's learn from Jesus. Learn to just be with those who are suffering, those who are struggling. Because often they're not expecting anyone to fix or to solve it. And just a, a hint there, if, if you don't know what to say, next up there, thanks. I can see you're in pain. I can see you're upset. All you need to say is, so what's going on for you? And just listen. Just listen. And resist telling your own story. I think for those of us, uh, people have gone through hard times. As soon as sometimes you open your mouth, the person listening will jump in with their own story. Hold back and just listen. That's often all people need. Someone to listen. So the fourth quality, curiosity. Curiosity. Jesus models sincere curiosity. He asked open-ended questions so people could discover the kingdom for themselves in their midst. And this genuine curiosity holds a space of safety so they could discover so they could meet God in the depths of vulnerability and authenticity. And this is something we're accustomed to. Most of us have many ways to avoid being vulnerable, or we turn a question into an interrogation where others are triggered into um, defensive or rationalizing postures. Jesus asked genuine, not loaded questions. We see this in Mark 8. He, he says to his disciples, so who do you say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Just wide open. And there's a wonderful reply. Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You see how he just, he just held that space. He was curious. He just drew out the truth. And Peter, for the first time, articulated this wonderful statement of faith. After sharing the parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18, Jesus says to the listeners, so what do you think? After telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, which of these three do you think was a good neighbor? And the expert in the law replied, well, the man who had mercy on him. He just held that space and helped people discover for themselves. Self-discovery is more powerful than being told. So what do you think? What do you believe? 
great questions we could ask people. Genuinely engage. What do you think? What do you believe? And then give them the gift of really listening without waiting for a chance to tell them what you think. Because when we've really listened, then they may be curious and ready to hear and invite us to share what we believe. So we've got concrete. They were concrete. He used them for connection. He used them to show compassion. He was curious, genuinely curious. And the fifth quality, courage. To ask questions like Jesus takes courage. Because looking at ourselves with God can be a terrifying experience. Look at Job in, in chapter 42 and Isaiah in chapter 6. When exposed to the majesty and the holiness of God, they realized how inadequate they were. Perhaps this is why the most repeated phrase from God to humans is, do not be afraid. And it takes courage to stand before God just as we are and name what really is. We'd much rather ignore, justify, rationalize, or medicate the truth about ourselves until we come to terms with who we really are, that we're utterly lost without God. We cannot begin to know God. And Jesus used questions to help people excavate where they were really at. Some examples of courageous questions. Well, if Jesus was sitting beside you now, what would you want to say to him? If Jesus was standing where I am or sitting next to you, what do you think he'd say to you about the situation you're facing? Here's one just for your own reflection. If Jesus himself came into the room, which part of my life would I try to conceal? See, we have a greater need than ever to learn from Jesus how to ask transformational questions. And, you know, we, we, need, we need to seek to help people be at home with real, where they really are in order to meet God there. So let's learn from Jesus. Be quicker to ask and listen before downloading what we want to say. We can be confident that the Holy Spirit's there at work before us. So listen to the Holy Spirit. Be curious about how you and questions could be part of yours and others' transformation as you participate in God's mission. Let's pause. Let's pray. Let's pray. So just this morning, as we've talked on this topic of questions, just pause for a moment before rushing off into the day. And if Jesus was sitting right next to you, what would you want to say to him? And what would he say back to you?
Lord, thank you for your loving presence, always at work, in us and through us, transforming us. Give us wisdom and compassion, not only as we use questions to minister to others, but also give us courage as we ourselves ask questions that lead to a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Mike, could you bring the team up, please? Thank you, Christine. Thank you for reminding us about the character of the Father. Boy, there's a lot going on in my spirit right now. You raised a number of, of issues for me, and it's that whole thing of, you know, when we're in the presence of God, as we are now, as we are right now, we hear the word spoken as Christine has been the conduit, the voice from the Father to us this morning and shared some deep insights into the character of Jesus. And I suspect if you're like me, that you're measuring yourself against those five um, characteristics of who he is. And you know what, church? When I measure myself like that against those five characteristics this morning, I think I fail at every one of them. Yep. But that doesn't make me a failure. That just means I'm on this journey. I'm on this road to growing in my relationship with God. I'm not perfect, but I'm on the road. I'm learning, I'm open, I'm willing. There is a softness in my spirit and an openness in my hands where I will take that word that is spoken and apply it to my life and say, God, where am I falling short here? Because I am, and I know that I am, and He knows that I am. But if that's going to change, there needs to be an honesty, doesn't there, church? Yeah? Church? There needs to be an honesty. There really does. Can you please stand to your feet? There needs to be not only an honesty, but an openness. With the Spirit of God that is here this morning, because according to the Word, when there's two or three, there He is. So I'm assuming that He's here this morning, because there's more than three here. There needs to be an openness with that honesty that says, God, what are you saying to me, Paul? What are you saying to me, Christine? What are you saying to me, Nat, this morning? What what are you saying, God? And you know what, church, my experience with that is when we ask those kinds of questions of ourselves, the answer comes almost immediately because that's the Holy Spirit. 
That's what the Spirit does. He brings a, an understanding into your spirit. He brings a conviction even, not a condemnation, because that's what the enemy does. Not condemnation, but a conviction into our spirit that says, yeah, Paul, here's a little area here I'd like you to improve a little bit on. And that's what we're going to do now. As the word was spoken this morning, and Mike leads us in a song, I'm assuming at some point, that if that's you here this morning and you want the assurance of the Master's hand in your life, you want an assurance from Him, you don't have to come down to the front to be prayed for. You're welcome to do that, and I'd encourage you to do so. But you don't have to do that. You can just ask the person next to you just to pray with you, be honest with them, be open with them, and let just God be God. Let God do what only God can do. So we're going to do that now. Mike will lead us in a few seconds. And if that's you, just respond. Be open, be honest, and let God do what only God can do. While we're doing that, if you are not part of that and you, um, you're going to leave the auditorium, please do that quietly and sensitively. And we'll see you out in the cafe. I'm looking forward to catching up with you afterwards. Christine, again, can we just give Christine a hand? Thank you for a wonderful message. Uh, you have a wonderful stage presence, Christine. You have a beautiful stage presence. Um, thank you for the word that you brought. Thanks, Mike.